0: Genesis chapter 3, I am, uh, <clears throat> I don't know if you've noticed, but my, uh, if I want to speak on a subject, sometimes that subject grows. And that's, that's what's happened tonight. As a part of the whole creation, evolution debate, um, I want us, I really want the young people and then those of us who are not so young anymore, Aaron, to be able to um, really have a good grasp of what happened at creation and what happened at the fall. One of the challenges to the Scriptures is that Adam didn't die when he ate the fruit. I don't know if uh, if you have been challenged on that, but I want us to understand what the Bible teaches about that. Because every word of God is true. The Bible says, um, Thy word is true from the beginning. And the beginning is in the beginning. And that every word of it is true. So how do we understand that? Well, to understand what happened when Adam died, there are two subjects that we need to understand. The first death, the second death. And then why didn't Adam die? Why, why does it appear that Adam did not die when he ate the fruit? So uh, I think it's going to be about three different lessons. We'll see how that goes. Um, this, this is the kiss of death on this sermon. Uh, what I have is probably not going to be very long. Usually when I say that, it ends up really long. Um, but what I have tonight, I don't think will take very long, but I want us to understand... The first death. The Bible talks about the first death, the second death, and then we can look at what happened with Adam. So look at Genesis chapter 3 with me. In verse 1, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Now, um, sometimes people ask the question, Why did God put that tree in the garden? Why did He put that in there? How many of you think that God knew they were going to eat it? Yeah, and that's why Jesus Christ is called the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Uh, Of course God knew it. Why did he put the tree in the garden? Because, and, and what's interesting is this is the whole concept of free will. And that's a discussion that people have. Do we or do we not have free will? Now, of course we do. We do because... Um, they chose to eat the fruit. God put that tree in there to give people the opportunity to choose good or the opportunity to choose evil, the opportunity to choose obedience or the opportunity to choose disobedience. They chose disobedience. And the result of that was the fall and death. And we're going to see that. But the the question of why did God put the the, the tree in the garden, the first answer is this. Well, first of all, it was right for him to do that. Or was it wrong for him to do it? It was right. Why? Because everything God does is right. Is that fair? So it was right. Sometimes we look, you know, we in our human eyes, why would God do that? How could a loving God put something in there that would give people the opportunity to condemn themselves? Why would he do that? Well, because it was the right thing to do. God only does not only what's good, but what's best. Everything God does is perfect. And so we've got to... This is where our thinking, we have to be really careful how we look at God and what God does. Now, uh, I don't think it's wrong to ask why God does what He does. I don't think that that's wrong. He tells us to come to Him and ask Him, and He's given us a lot of information in the Scriptures. So the question of, as, uh, of why He put the tree in the garden... That's not an illegitimate question. The problem comes when we start doubting God. Because sometimes the first time you're confronted, if you're a new believer, the first time you're confronted with a question like that, it can scare you. It can scare you. Well, we know that God is not the author of sin. That's what the Bible says. So it was not sinful for God to put the tree in the garden. It was not sinful for them to look at it. Eve added to the word of God in her answer. It was sinful for them to eat it. So who is responsible? God for the tree being there or Adam and Eve for eating the fruit? Who's responsible? Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve. And so uh, th- it's really important that we do not lose our view of God in seeking the answers for some of these questions. All right? So God only the only thing that God can do is good. Um, then look at uh, verse... 3 again, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. He's a liar, isn't he? For God, doth. Uh, let, let's make sure that we get that. Hold your place right there. Go to John eight forty four. Bible says, year of your father, the devil, that's Jesus, okay? Um, year of your father, can you imagine what those religious people thought when Jesus said that to them? That's tough, isn't it? Year of your father, the devil. And why did he say, they, they said to him, at least we know who our father is. They were calling Jesus illegitimate. They were insulting Him. The Son of God. The virgin-born Son of God. All right? You of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. So that's what's happening here in Genesis chapter 3. He's the father of lies. And so he said to them in verse... We're back in Genesis 3, 4. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God knoweth that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes... And a tree to be desired to make one wise, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. She took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, "'Where art thou?' And he said, "'I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself.' And he said, "'Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat?' And the man said, "'The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat.' And the Lord God said unto the woman, Isn't it interesting that immediately, immediately, as soon as they have fallen into sin, one of the first evidences of a fallen individual is the shirking of responsibility. Isn't that interesting? And what is the only thing that can save someone? Confession of sin." If you go to God and say, God, you know, I sin because of you. You can't get saved. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. Uh, I I, I sin because I'm a sinner. I'm wicked. That's the only way that you can get saved. And the first result of the fall, or the first evidence of the fall here in the Bible is the shirking of responsibility. It's very interesting. Um, Then... Verse 13, And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And when you look at the prophecies of the the millennial kingdom, the thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ, when many of the animals are restored to what they were before the fall where a child can play with an adder and an asp, where the lion and the lamb can lie down together, where the original uh, uh, state of being for the animals is returned to the way it was before the fall, the snake still crawls on its belly. It's interesting. It's forever. uh, At least until the destruction of the uh, earth. Then, look at what it says in verse 15. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman He said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam He said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, thou and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and dust and unto dust shalt thou return. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, help us to understand what happened here in the garden. Help us to understand uh, what what your Bible says about these subjects so that we can be biblical people, that we can think biblically and discern biblically. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, One of the things that I want to... that has always been my goal here at Grace Baptist is to free us from slogan Christianity. Because there are a lot of things, whether it's in in a song or in a saying... That that are not biblical, they're just not biblical, and yet it's so much a part of the Christian mind, the the popular Christian mind, that we've got to overcome these things. All right, and this is one of those subjects: the first death, the first death. Um, how many of you have heard someone say this? Um, that the first death is physical and the second death is spiritual. I know that I've said it. And that's very much a mistake. And we're going to look at that in, we're going to look at that in the Bible and, and try to understand that. Um, and I think by the time we get done with the first and second death, we'll know the answer to why didn't Adam die before we actually get to the message. And it'll still be profitable to go through it. But let's, let's try to understand this concept of the first death Um, death begins in this chapter as a result of sin. So what happens? The animal is killed to clothe Adam and Eve, right? And then God tells them that they're going to return to the dust of the ground. That's what it says in verse uh, 19. At the end of the verse, it says, For dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Right, we've all heard that kind of. Aaron, how many times have you heard that? <laughs> A million times. He does funerals, you know. Um, so let's let's do this. Let's start. Number one, facts about death. Some facts about death. Uh, look at Romans six twenty three. It's the payment for sin. It's the payment for sin. Romans 6.23, I think all the young people can quote it. Let's just, let's just say it out loud. You ready? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So what death is, is the payment for sin. As you get paid for doing it, a wage is something that you get for what you do. And your wage, what you get for being a sinner, is death. That's where death comes from. So we learn from Genesis chapter 3 that death is simply the result of sin. And sin, according to First John, is any transgression of the law. So it's just very clear that death is the payment for sin. And then next, under this, this category of facts about sin, Satan has the power to execute wherever God allows him. Satan has that power. Look at Hebrews chapter 2. Just a comment, I think what we're doing tonight is, um, and this this is what we do every Wednesday night of course, Um, I think this is so lacking in churches, you know, so much of it is about our behavior and how to help us make it through the day, Um, the thing that helps you make it through the day is understanding what God has told you, amen, Amen. do you know what the best thing that will ever happen to you if you're saved is, death. We'll look at the verse in a little while. You're going to be freed from the body of this death. Amen. You're going to be with Jesus forever. You know, I'm, I'm thankful that Laura is saved and we're going to be in eternity together. Now, our relationship will be different in heaven. The Bible tells us that. But we'll, we'll be there forever in heaven. My children are saved. And we'll be in heaven together forever. Riley, our son, who would be 19, he's in heaven. We'll be together forever. In heaven, that's fantastic. When you're delivered from the cares of this life, the ultimate healing is death, or the rapture for the believer. Isn't that fantastic? Something to think about. Something to think about. Um, we'll look at uh, Hebrews two fourteen. The Bible says, "For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood." He also himself likewise took part of the same. All right? So this is Jesus. So children are partakers of the flesh and blood of their parents. Is that right? But look at what the Bible says. He also, middle of verse 14, He also himself likewise took part of the same. Why? That through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil interesting. So Satan has the power of death. But remember, death is the result of sin. It's the payment for sin. But Satan has the power of death. Is that what the Bible says here? It's very clear. It's very clear. Satan has the power of death. And isn't that what we read in John chapter 8? He's a murderer. He's a murderer. Satan has the power of death. Now, notice I said that can only happen where God allows it. Remember in the book of Job? He said, yeah, you can, you can afflict his flesh, but don't take his life. What did Satan do? Did Satan take his life? Why not? He can't do anything that God doesn't allow him to do. That's fantastic, isn't it? That is fantastic. Now, uh, I know how we think. And some of you young people, you might have this, this thought. Well, why would God allow Satan to kill anybody? You got the wrong, that's the wrong question. The right question is, why doesn't God allow Satan to kill everybody? Because what is death? What is death? It's, it, it's the wages. It's the payment for sin. What What is death? It's the payment for sin. So the fact that God allows... God doesn't allow him to kill all of us. And you know that's what Satan would like to do. He would like he's what is he? He's the destroyer. That's what he would like to do. The fact that God doesn't let him do that to all of us is only by his grace and mercy and more than any of us or any man in the world deserves. Okay? So death. Death. Facts about death. Um, So Satan has the power to execute where given permission. That's Hebrews 2.14, John 8.44 that we read earlier. Then the other thing is that no man no man. No man has power over death. No man has power over death. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 8. Ecclesiastes chapter 8. Psalms, Proverbs, Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. It's a bummer when your pastor doesn't know where the books of the Bible are, isn't it? Ecclesiastes 8, verse 8. There is no man that hath power over the Spirit to retain the Spirit, neither hath he power in the day of death, and there is no discharge in that war, neither shall wickedness deliver those that are given to it. All right? It's very clear. Man doesn't have power over death. God does. God does. Think about that with Pastor Maher there in Baghdad. It, those, those soldiers, praise God those soldiers are out there to keep the terrorists out. Amen but ultimately it's God that will protect them. It's God that will protect them. Praise the Lord. Um, all right. So, man doesn't have power over death. So, facts about death is the payment for sin. Satan has the power of it. No man has power over death. And each man dies each man dies for his own sins. Each man dies for his own sins. Everybody look at Deuteronomy. Book of Deuteronomy. And Chapter 24. I love seeing all these young people with their Bibles, going through it. Deuteronomy chapter 24. And look at verse 16. The fathers shall not be put to death for the children. Now you dads are very thankful for that, aren't you? The fathers shall not be put to death for the children, neither shall the children be put to death for the fathers. Every man shall be put to death for his own sin. Boy, is that a clear verse? Did everybody get to see that? That's very clear. Look at Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles, chapter twenty five, verse four. 2 Chronicles chapter 25, look at verse 3. Uh, Now, it came to pass when the kingdom was established to him, this is Amaziah, when the kingdom was uh, established to him, that he slew his servants that had killed the king, his father. But he slew not their children, but did as it is written in the law of the book of Moses, Where the Lord God commanded, saying, The Father shall not die for the children, neither shall the children die for the fathers, but every man shall die for his own sin. So, just basic facts about death that we as believers, if we're going to think biblically, we've got to get this death is a payment for sin, Satan has the power to kill, no man has power over death, and each man dies for his own sins. All right? And that's the right that is all right. So, now here's the question. Here's the question. So number one was facts about sin. Number two, what actually dies? What is it that dies? When death comes, what is it that dies? Well, each death is both physical and spiritual. This is real important when we understand the Adam thing. Each death is both physical and spiritual. So number one, the body dies because of sin. The body dies because of sin. Let, let's look at it. I quoted it a little while ago, but look at Romans chapter 7. And it's verse 24. Romans chapter 7 and verse 24. Um, I, I want to say this. This is why it's hard for a Christian to debate an atheist, for a Christian to debate uh, a non-believer. Because... It, the world has ideas about life and death, about right and wrong. The world has all of these ideas. Our thinking is biblical. And when I remember when 10 or 15 years ago, the Southern Baptist Convention uh, came out with this statement that they believe that it's right for the wife to submit to the husband. How many of you remember when that happened? Man, it was all over the news. They were talking about wife beating and uh, the abuse of women and all of that stuff. They went crazy. They went absolutely insane. But that's simply because they don't know how to think biblically. They don't understand that Jesus Christ, who is every bit as much God as the Father, submitted to the Father. And the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, will not speak of himself whatsoever the Father and the Son say that will he speak and the Holy Spirit is every bit as much God as God the Father and God the Son. That's called submission. There's not an ontological difference in the Godhead. They are all three uh, persons of the Godhead. Uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, uh, co-equal, co-eternal, co-existent, one with the other. Now, that's very clear. And yet, the world can't understand the concept of a wife submitting to her husband because they don't have any idea of biblical thinking. Is that right? And so that's why this discussion... It's very difficult to have with a lost person because you have to establish them in biblical thinking to even understand what you're saying. And, and so it's very difficult for Christians to speak publicly in, in, this, uh, in, in this world because when you speak the truth, you're going to be ridiculed, you're going to be attacked. But we're still supposed to speak the truth. That's why I'm thankful for those who do. Um, it, I always think of uh, when I watched a Larry King show years ago that had Deepak Chopra and um, a Methodist and a Roman Catholic and John MacArthur. And all these people are giving different explanations on things. And MacArthur just sat there quietly. He never tried to jump in. He just sat there. And Larry, you know, what do you think, John? And he'd say, well, it doesn't matter what I think. God said, and he'd quote Scripture. God said, and Deepak Chopra was sitting right next to him. And you know Chopra's demon possessed. If you didn't know that, he's demon possessed. If you like Oprah Winfrey, um, you need to get saved. But um, that might be a little strong. You need to act like you're saved. Um, She or Deepak Chopra, whenever MacArthur would quote scripture, he was he was just freaking out physically, moving around and squirming and going crazy. It was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. And people would say these other... And what happened was all three of these other clergy all came together to attack MacArthur. It was really interesting. And you should have seen MacArthur. He didn't care. Why? Because it wasn't his truth. It was God's truth. And yet he looked like the crazy person in the eyes of the world because the world just does not understand. Why? Because they're of their father, the devil. They won't believe in Jesus because they believe their father, who is a liar and a murderer from the beginning. That's what Jesus said. All right, so the body dies. Look at uh, uh, Romans seven twenty four. And here's the Apostle Paul. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Isn't that interesting? Was, was Paul alive when he said that? I'll ask you again, was Paul alive when he said that? Yes. What's he talking about? The body died because of sin. You're walking around and you're breathing, but you're dead unless you're saved. And yet, Paul was saved when he said this. So what's it talking about? He still lives in a fallen body. All of us, all of us, if you're saved, your flesh is not saved. When will your flesh be saved? At the resurrection. Right? In the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, we shall be raised incorruptible. Amen. This flesh shall put on immortality and death, where is your sting? All that 1 Corinthians 15. That's what's going to happen right now. Your body is dying. It's just true. Dying eternally. But it's dead. It's dead. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Look at chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, verse 10. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Isn't that interesting? Your body's dead. It's dead. Very interesting. So, what dies? Your body dies. And then the spirit is given up. Um, let's go ahead and look at it quickly. Acts chapter 5. Two things happen. Your body dies and your spirit dies. Your spirit is given up is the, the better term. All right. So look at Acts chapter 5 and verse 5. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear came on all of them that heard these things. Remember what had happened. Ananias and Sapphira had promised that they, they were going to sell some land and they would promised to give the money to the church, give the money to the Lord. And they didn't. They kept part of it and acted as if they'd given it all. And so Peter, the apostle, he had the power to take their life. I know no man has that power, but the Holy Spirit wanted them to die. And they died. They gave up the ghost. you see that? Gave up the ghost. Look at verse 10. Uh, Then fell she down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost. And the young men came in and found her dead and carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. And so, did she die because of what her husband did? No. She came in and told the lie the same way that her husband did, and God killed him. But what happened? The body, which was dead, fell down, and they gave up the ghost, the spirit that was in them. They gave up the ghost. So, each death is both physical and spiritual. And this is where we have to understand that man is a triunity. Now, there is some controversy about this. Is, does man have two parts or does man have three parts? Now, the Bible makes that very clear. How many of you believe we're created in the image of God? Right? Male and female created he them. The Bible talks about that. And let us make man in our own image. When I was speaking to the apostolic pastors, I I liked quoting that. Let us make man in our own image. What's that talking about? That's Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. In in the story of Nimrod, uh, in the Tower of Babel, let us go down. Let us go down and confound their language. What is that? That is, that's the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That's the Trinity. Amen? Isn't that awesome? And he said, uh, well, don't kings speak that way? And I said, well, historically, you have to understand what they're saying. When the king, and and in, in language, that's called the imperial we, the imperial we. And kings did speak that way. And what they were saying by speaking that way is, I am God. It was blasphemy for them to say that. It was blasphemy. Now, I know, some, you know, they have schizophrenic, roses are red, violets are blue, I'm schizo and so am I. Right? Nine out of, what is it? Uh, nine out of five people don't believe they're schizophrenic. Those people might say we, but that's because they're nuts. God says let us because it's the Holy Trinity. Amen? The Holy Trinity. Amen. Um, and that idea is very important for us to understand. When God said, let us make man in our image, he made us a tripartite soul. We are body, we are soul, and we are spirit. Body, soul, and spirit. Let's see if we can find some biblical backing for that. Go with me to First Thessalonians 5. Verse 23. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. How about that? We're body, soul, and spirit. Now, it's so funny. I remember when I was teaching through 1 Thessalonians reading commentaries, they would say, Now, this is not teaching that man has three parts. Thanks for that. Looks like it's saying that man has body, soul, and spirit. That's what the Bible says. It's very clear. We could spend some time on that. But when Jesus said, when, when in Genesis 2, 7, let us make man in our image. This is what it means to be made in the image of God. God is not short, tall, blonde, brunette, black, or yellow, but is a tripartite being. 1 John 5, 7, there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. The, when, and when you look at it this way, you have your spirit, the, you have the breath of life, the Holy Spirit. Your soul, then you have the living soul, which is the Father. Then the body, and that comes from the dust of the ground, and the Word was made flesh. All of it ties together. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Body, soul, and spirit. At the first death, someone asked, does God have a soul? Does God have a soul? It's interesting, right? Well, the Bible says that. My soul is exceedingly sorrowful. All right? Um, at the first death, the body and spirit return to their origins. At the first death, the body and the spirit return to their origins. What are those origins? I think you'll find this interesting. Go to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. This is probably the evolutionist's favorite uh, passage. Let's start reading in verse 16, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 16. And moreover, I saw under the sun the place of judgment, that wickedness was there, and the place of righteousness, that iniquity was there. I said in mine heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time and uh, and there is a time for every purpose and for every work. I said in mine heart concerning the estate of the sons of men, that God might manifest them, that they might see that they themselves are beasts. For that which befalleth the sons of men befalleth beasts. Even one thing befalleth them. As the one dieth, so dieth the other. Yea, they have all one breath, so that a man hath no preeminence above the beast, for all is vanity." All go into one place, all are of the dust, and all turn to dust again. Who knoweth the spirit of man that goeth upward, and the spirit of the beast that goeth downward to the earth? Sometimes people ask, are there going to be animals in heaven? Well, I know there are horses because those are ridden back. But as far as you know, your little rover that dies, the Bible here says that his spirit goes into the earth, where the spirit of man ascends to go up to the Father. It's interesting, isn't it? You know, when Rover's dead, he's dead all over. He's just dead. That's it. I know you kids, you might be thinking, I thought I was going to see my cat again. No, sorry. No, no. Who was it? I I knew somebody that said they wanted to name their their cat Target. I think that's funny. But here the Bible says very clearly, the Bible says very clearly, that your soul, I'm sorry, your body and your spirit go back to where they came from as a result of death. Your body goes to the ground and your spirit goes back to God. And your spirit will then be judged. Wow. Something to think about, isn't it? So, that is the biblical teaching of the first death. Now, the second death, we're going to look at that next week. But this concept of the first death, it's very important that we get this. That death is all the result of sin. The only reason anyone ever dies is because of sin. That's it. That's it. Let me just give you a couple of other things and we'll be done. Um, Death did not strike Adam first. Abel was the first person to die. And do you know what the Bible calls him in Hebrews chapter 11? Righteous Abel. Can you imagine how horrible that was for Adam? Abel died because of Adam's sin. And so, what I want you to see about this is Abel had favor with God. That's very clear. He was received, he was accepted by God. Cain was rejected. Because their sacrifices, Abel's sacrifice was right, Cain's sacrifice was worldly. And so based on their sacrifice, Abel was accepted. Cain was rejected. Is that right? Abel still died. Why? Because death comes upon all men for that all have sinned. This becomes very important. It's very important. Um, so what's the lesson? Don't sin. Just as sin brought death into the world, sin will bring devastation and destruction into your life and into your children's lives. So what should we do? Live holy lives. The only way that you can live a holy life is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Let's do right. So we have to understand this concept of the first death, the second death, and then we can see what happened to Adam. What happened to him? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Word.